So uh, when I say you be here, the Lord said to him more gathered in his name, he's here. I know that he's there, but I just the active work uh, is what I'm praying for when I say that, uh, that the Lord would actively work in our hearts as we get into his word together. So uh, Leviticus chapter three, uh, the, what we're going to move into here is the peace offering. Your Bible may say a fellowship offering. Um, again, this is uh, one of the uh, the freed will offerings. It's, it's not a mandatory thing. Uh, the purpose of it is for Thanksgiving, and it would result in fellowship. Uh, there'd be a communal meal uh, with a priest, and we'll get into that later on uh, as we dive into deeper uh, discussion about some of these things that are listed here as we progress through uh, Leviticus. But uh, for the purposes of this study, uh, we'll just stick to what we're, what we're looking at here. But the priest would get some, and after the priest had theirs, uh, then the worshiper would have some for them and their family also. So uh, this was not to make peace with God. That's uh, in Leviticus 4 uh, for the sin offering. So uh, this is uh, an offering uh, to enjoy, to celebrate peace with God. Uh, so after, the, uh, after uh, they would dedicate this animal, uh, they would uh, sacrifice this animal, then uh, it would go through the whole process with the priests, and then the priests would get some, and then they could, they could eat it also. So uh, the uh, this type of offering, uh, one place to find it would be in First Kings chapter eight, uh, after the dedication of the te- of the temple. Solomon offered 22,000 bulls and 120,000 sheep. You know, you talk about a big barbecue. Uh, you're not worried about if they're going to run out of brisket or, or whatever. You know, they, they've got plenty of food there uh, for you to eat or something like that. So it's a celebration. Uh, so it would be uh, a, a offering uh, of, you know, uh, being able to, to thank the Lord uh, with the peace that you do have with him. So, and there's much to celebrate if we if we consider in Christianity now that, that as Christians when we look at something like this and and we wonder what could we celebrate what are things you know when we consider that Jesus made peace between God and man uh, we've we've already studied that in our in our study Romans chapter five verse one says uh, this is our Sunday morning study uh, therefore uh, having been justified by faith we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2 verses 14 through 18 say, For he himself is our peace, who has made both one, and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in this flesh the enmity, that is, the law of commandments uh, contained in the ordin- in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace. And that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death uh, the enmity. And he has, uh, and he came and preached peace to you who were afar off and to those who were near. For through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. Lastly, uh, Colossians chapter 1, verse 19, verses 19 through 20 says, For it pleased the Father that in him, Jesus, all the fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself. By him, uh, whether things on, uh, on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of the cross. 
So we can celebrate as Christians the peace that has been made uh, or, or peace that comes from Jesus Christ. That we're celebrating that peace with him. Uh, we're, this, this sacrifice that we're going to study isn't speaking of something that would actually make peace. This is a celebration of peace uh, with God. Now, the elements would be any animal without blemish, and what are mentioned here are uh, from a herd, flock, or, uh, or a bird. So uh, when we get into this, understand that this is something that would be offered. It's not a mandatory thing. It is a free will offering. Now, when we get into uh, chapter 4, those are uh, the only uh, chapters we'll be covering tonight. Chapters 3 and 4, uh, we'll see that chapter 4 is a mandatory thing uh, for unintentional sin. Then we'll get on to chapter 5, five uh, chapter 4 and 5. Uh, those two offerings are both mandatory uh, offerings. So, But for the purposes of our study in chapter 3, uh, just understand this was a free will offering. Verse 1 says, when his offering is a sacrifice of a peace offering, and he offers it of the herd, whether male or female, he shall offer it without blemish before the Lord. So this specific offering, the peace offering or fellowship offering, uh, would be an offering of an animal uh, from the herd. So male or female. And uh, we see uh, it's, it's different than the burnt offering. The burnt offering would be male only, and this one is male or female. It is without blemish before the Lord. And uh, it, it's to ensure that it's without blemish, it would be inspected uh, by the priest. Now, the priest would not, again, we talked about this last week, the priest did not inspect the worshiper. The priest would inspect the sacrifice, right? Uh, so uh, they would uh, inspect this uh, wor- the, uh, the actual uh, animal that was uh, to be sacrificed, but not the worshiper. So, and it needs to be without blemish. You know, not giving to God our leftovers, right? Oh, hey, let's take all the blemished ones, all these things here, uh, and we'll set those aside. We'll just offer those to God. We'll keep the good things for ourselves because we'll get more money for them, right? Uh, for breeding or whatever. It's funny how that stuff works because uh, uh, specifically, uh, even within the dog breeding world, I'm not a dog breeder, but I, we've, we've uh, had uh, our two labs. Well, the first one we had was a yellow lab, and uh, the other one that we have now is a chocolate lab. You guys have met Coda before. He's a little crazy, so he doesn't come down here. The, and it's not that he's a threat to anybody. He just, like, he's full throttle everywhere he goes. And, and chairs and people would be flying all over the place. He doesn't, you know, but, but Coda is a chocolate lab. Um, and uh, it, we actually got him uh, from the same breeder uh, that my sister got her dog through, and he's actually uh, the the son of my sister's dog. So it's kind of cool to have him. Uh, and uh, we, we, we got him, and he has a little dot right in the middle of his chest. There's just one dot that's white. Now, to a breeder, that might be a defect. Somebody might look at that, and, and they may not be able to get as, as much money uh, for, for just that even that, that little spot. So, so e- even in the world's economy, something that would have a spot wouldn't be worth more, but uh, as much as something that didn't have a spot. We love our dog. He's a good boy and everything. He's a little knuckleheaded, quite knuckleheaded, but he's a good boy. So... Uh, uh, his little white, white spot doesn't bother us, but um, 
when we consider what's being uh, demanded here, we're not to give God our leftovers. We're to give God uh, the best of what we have to offer. So, uh, you know, when you consider even the, the first fruits that are mentioned in the scripture and those things, it's not like, okay, first fruits, hey, we're going to make all the money because it wasn't going to be shiny. No, the first fruits, that, that first gathering of it goes to the Lord, right? There's, there's the, you know, and, and you even look at tithes. When our money comes in, set it aside. Uh, whatever it goes to the Lord, goes to the Lord. It's not, well, if we have any money at the end of it, maybe we'll give. But, you know, what the scrolls of Scripture uh, declare. So, uh, and no, that is not a, a thing for, for giving here at all. I'm just explaining that uh, the Lord, uh, when we're making an offering to the Lord, that it wouldn't be our leftovers, but we're giving to him of the best of what we have. So, it's a, uh, where it's without blemish, it represents a sinless uh, substitute, uh, and it would point to the perfect sacrifice of, of Jesus Christ. Consider uh, a scripture like First uh, Peter chapter 1, verses 18 and 19 says, Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold uh, for your aimless conduct, uh, from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. So that lamb without blemish, without spot. In the Bible study I had with uh, the guys at the Hancock County Jail today, uh, we discussed uh, the perfect sacrifice uh, because we're we're in John chapter 1. We've been through in the last two weeks to the first 18 verses there, but there's a lot to pack in because I don't know. It's not like here at the church where I can I say, okay, hey guys, we just studied this last week and, 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 and uh, you know, you guys may have grown up in the church or whatever. Uh, I don't know where these guys have come from and where they're at. And sometimes, uh, so I had Three, three new guys this week. I had one guy last week and four this week. So I don't know where they come from and everything. So I have to kind of go back and slow down and just explain who is John speaking of. Uh, and, and I had to describe, uh, okay, who, who, you know, who the word, what does the word word mean? And we talked about that last week. So I won't be later here tonight. But essentially getting them to the point where I'm trying to fit the whole gospel message into every week where, where, I, can, where I can point out everything. And today we talked about who Jesus Christ was why he came and, and what he accomplished. And when we got to John chapter 14, where it says uh, Jesus Christ, who is the only begotten, uh, so who is the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth, right? So I had to get into what is grace, what is truth, uh, and why do we need grace? And, 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 and you know, who is truth, right? And I, I pointed out that Jesus claimed to be truth. So uh, we had that discussion there, but being able to, to point out that Jesus Christ himself is is the spotless one. He, he, so this very much, as we talked about uh, the other two uh, sacrifices earlier uh, in, in last week's study, this is also a picture of, you know, pointing to the, uh, Jesus Christ. So uh, where we see uh, in these things where it says without blemish, uh, we, we should uh, automatically, our mind should go the perfect one, the, the, the one that was without spot, without blemish. <clears throat> He shall kill it and offer it before the Lord. Uh, so they were given uh, very specific instructions um, that uh, to and, and how to uh, carry out their um, their sacrifice. <clears throat> Verse two, and he shall lay his hand on the head of his offering and kill it at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. And Aaron's sons, the priests, shall sprinkle the blood all around on the altar. And we talked about this last week. Uh, we worship God 
how he declares, not how we declare, right? And so the, the old us, hopefully, um, uh, have come to the point where we realize uh, what true, you know, we are called uh, to worship God in spirit and in truth. Uh, that's the way, and, and when we get through the scriptures and we see how God was prescribing uh, these sacrifices to be made, very clear, very distinct things. Sometimes he'd even say, well, this one on the on the east side of the tabernacle or the north side. And he had his very specific uh, places and, and ways of doing things. And what it is, for us, we can look at that and, and come to the conclusion that we worship God according to his way of, of uh, his prescribed manners rather than us making up our own way. Right? Think about it, right? If there are, uh, you know, 15, 20 uh, people, okay? You know, to take how many people are in this room, probably 15 of us, 16, 17, something like that. You take all of us and we have our own way of worshiping God. How long is it going to be till we're off, right? <laughs> you, know, you know, one or two might be right. These two might, hey, this is what I do and everything, right? Even look within the church. I was talking with Oliver yesterday about spiritual gifts. And, uh, you know, there, we were talking about uh, continuation uh, of the gifts or uh, cessation of the gifts, right? Uh, and, and we're just talking about those. This church teach, it teaches uh, that the church, uh, that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are very much alive and, uh, and present with the church today. Uh, there are some that say, no, they ceased after the first century church. And I, I just, I, I, uh, and I was talking with Oliver yesterday, and I'm like, so Paul wrote all of 1 Corinthians 14, and, and, or, you know, a massive portion of it at least, explaining how the gifts of the Spirit are supposed to be used just for people that are going to die off right there. Right? It doesn't make any sense, right? It's, to me, it's laughable, right? But it's people that are getting too big in their own eyes that will make things like this the, you know wedges you, you can see the the enemy just love it taking that wedge and just tapping it in and making division in another spot within the church so anyways but we were just talking about about these things god prescribed how these gifts were to be used because they were supposed to be used right for the edification of the church right it's for the building up of the body God has reasons for doing what he does and how he does it. We have to be able to look at it and go, God says it's this way, so we're going to do it this way. Uh, if I don't like it, well, there's plenty of things in the Bible that, that, that go against the way out. That's because I'm a rebellious sinner, right? And I want to do things my way, and God wants it this way. So we are called to yield to him and to his word. But God just uh, clearly is pointing out exactly how these things were supposed to supposed to go. So here in verse 2, he says that they shall lay his hand on the head of the offering. And some of these we already talked about, so I'll just uh, you know, kind of go over them very quickly as we go. The hand on the head was symbolic of uh, uh, any sin that was uh, being uh, or, or identifying ourselves with uh, this animal, you know, whatever it's being offered for, for Thanksgiving, for uh, an offering, we'll see that also uh, in the next uh, in the next offering in chapter four. So the worshiper themselves would kill the animal at the door of the tabernacle, and it says a, tab a tabernacle of meeting. That tabernacle, that tent that you could go to and be in the presence of the Lord. It's a, I love the way it says of meeting in there, and I know I've said that, but uh, to be in the presence of the Lord. It says an Aaron Aaron's sons, the priests, would sprinkle the blood all around uh, the altar. So blood was uh, the uh, represented the life of the animal, right? 
So uh, when it was shed on the altar as a sacrifice, it was symbolized something pure dying for something that isn't or in the place of. So as we get to go through here, understand a little bit of it. It's not just because God wants blood spattered everywhere. Right? There's a reason for it. Verse 3. <clears throat> Then uh, he shall offer from the sacrifice of the peace offering an offering made by fire to the Lord. The, the, uh, the fat that covers the entrails and the fat that is on the entrails, uh, the two kidneys and the fat that is on them uh, by the flanks and the fatty lobe attached to the liver above the kidneys, he shall remove and Aaron's sons shall burn it on, uh, on the altar upon the burnt sacrifice which is on the wood that is on fire as an offering made by fire, a sweet aroma uh, to the Lord. So we've seen that being described there. Uh, the fat was to be separated uh, from this animal and, uh, and put on to the burnt sacrifice and, and burnt by itself. So it describes all of the places where the fat would be found and uh, it would be cut out and it would be a sweet aroma to the Lord uh, when you consider those the innermost beings, uh, you know, just getting into there. And, and that fat being um, offered up to the Lord. Verse verse six. If he if his offering as a sacrifice of peace offering to the Lord is of the flock. So uh, so the first would be from the herd, right? Verses uh, one through five. Now it's saying if it's from the flock, uh, whether. A male or female, he shall offer it without blemish. So you'll see that all the way through, right? If he offers a lamb as his offering, then he shall offer it before the Lord, and he shall lay his hand on the head of the offering and kill it before the tabernacle meeting. And Aaron's son shall sprinkle his blood on uh, all around the altar. Then he shall offer uh, from the sacrifice, from the peace offering, as an offering made by fire to the Lord. It's fat, the whole fat. Tail, which he shall remove close to uh, the backbone, and the fat that comes uh, that covers the entrails, and all the fat that is on the entrails, the two kidneys, and the fat that is on them by the flanks and the fatty lobe attached to the liver above the kidneys he shall remove so uh, if it's of the flock male or female it would be a very similar process right so of the herd or, or of the flock itself uh, so verse 11 says and the priest shall burn them on the altar as food uh, and offering made by fire to the Lord so the offering as we talked about would result in a communal celebration the priest would get their own portion. When we get to Leviticus 7, we'll look at that. Uh, the leftovers would go to the worshiper and their family. So it would be something that the family would celebrate and that they would eat and enjoy. That's why when you consider what's happening in 1 Kings 18, they would offer all these things. They'd take the fat of all these things. they put them up there. But then they've got the, the 22,000 bulls that were offered and the 120,000 sheep that were offered. So 144,000 things that were sacrificed. Think of the feast that, that would result from that. And everybody, you know, you think of, you know, if you could think of something that would make somebody after a meal fat and happy, that's your meal, right? You're, you're eating all you can. Um, there's, a, there's a place, there's a barbecue place uh, called BT's uh, in, in Massachusetts, right? 
so uh, I stopped there a few times on, on 95 on the way to or from a conference or whatever. You pull in there, and it's the greatest barbecue that you're going to. to I, I Actually, it's, it's one of the greatest. I'll say the greatest I've had outside of Texas, right? So there's one uh, that I went to uh, right out of. It's like in this barn in Texas, okay? And uh, I went in there, and I got brisket, and I got something else. And by the end of it, I, I didn't really know these people, but I'm looking at other people's plates. Like, did they eat it all? <laughs> they, were, they were all people in my class. I did know them. I'm joking. But I didn't know them that well. And I'm like, hey, you're going to eat that? But, but I, I didn't really have enough time. And it was an expensive meal. But, man, that brisket was awesome. Right? You're, you're enjoying this meal together. So this would be a celebration. They would uh, the, the, the priest would get theirs, and then the family uh, would be blessed with the leftovers. So they could, uh, they could enjoy this meal together. Verse 12, and if his offering is a goat, then he shall offer it before the Lord. He shall lay his hand on its head and kill it before the tabernacle of meeting, and the sons of Aaron shall sprinkle its blood all around on the altar. Then he shall offer it from uh, offer from it his offering as an offering made by fire to the Lord. The fat that covers the entrails and all the fat that is on the on the entrails, the uh, two kidneys and the fat that is on them by the flanks, and the fatty lobe attached to the liver above the kidneys he shall remove, and the priest shall burn them on the altar as food. In offering made by fire, a sweet aroma, all the fat is the Lord's. This shall be a perpetual statute throughout your generations. In all your dwellings, you shall eat neither fat nor blood. So uh, we see here, even of the goat, the very similar process, right? Uh, burn the fat, drain the blood. All of the fat is the woods. It would be a sweet-smelling aroma. The priest would get theirs, and uh, then you can enjoy uh, the, the meal of the goat. So uh, so what is being celebrated here? That peace with God. This this wasn't designed. This wasn't uh, the next one we're going to get into, the burnt offering, uh, sorry, the sin offering, uh, will uh, will show uh, something that would it's, it's more picturing something that would die uh, in our place that we might have peace with God but this is a celebration of having peace with God because of what he has done uh, when you consider uh, Psalms uh, Psalm, and I don't even think it's going to be up here but Psalm 95 verse 2 you know, where that is it's explaining to us to, to come into his presence with thanksgiving uh, in our hearts and, and to give the Lord praise and uh, that, that we can come to his prayer, that we actually have something to, to, to thank him for. There's a lot for us to thank him for, but in regarding our relationship with him, that we have peace with him, we can, uh, that's always something to celebrate, right? So if we wake up in the morning or we're having a bad day or whatever, we need to step back and focus on what has the Lord done for me? Can I celebrate anything with the Lord? Can I, can I drive in my car and don't close your eyes, but can I lift a hand? You know, while I'm driving, and you know, can I can I do these things? I don't feel like doing it, but can I do it? Yes, because God's good, and He's He's done great things for me. You know, we can offer up that voice, that 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 praise offering to Him. We can still do those things. We're not carrying these types of things out, but we can praise Him for what He's done and the peace that we have uh, with Him for because of what He's done. Psalm 116, verse 17 says, I will offer to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving. I will call upon the name of the Lord. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15 says, Therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. 
We can always praise God. We can always get to a point where, where we're thanking Him for something within our lives. Right? And especially those times where maybe we don't feel like it. But to be able to go before the Lord and, and to thank Him and, and to uh, offer Him up those offerings of praise. You know, uh, when we see everything that's, that's offered here, all the fat, all the meat, all the everything, you know, we understand that the Lord wants all of us. He doesn't want just part of us. You know, there's something to be, you know, every bit of what was being used here, you know, for the things that were being burned, they were being burned. Things being eaten, everybody could eat of it. it would, so it wouldn't just go away, right, for the specific thing. You know, the Lord wants... Um, you know, full uh, sacrifices of praise with our lips and with our lives. Not just saying these things, but actually, you know, living out our life's lives of, of praise. And we've talked about it where uh, Romans 12 uh, tells us to live our lives, uh, you know, carry out our lives as living sacrifices. Uh, that, that means we're alive, we're walking around, and uh, the way we're living our lives uh, is in sacrifice to God and it's pleasing to Him, that our lives would be a sweet smelling aroma to Him. You know, because when we consider this, we can celebrate the fact that God has made peace between himself and man, uh, and we, we uh, can come into his presence with thanksgiving over that. Leviticus chapter 4. Now, uh, now we're getting into uh, the sin offering. Uh, so when, when we consider... You know, Jesus uh, was made sin for us uh, on the cross. So uh, when, when we're studying these things and we're reading through them, consider what, what Christ did. Uh, and when, when we're looking at sin. Now, what's interesting about Leviticus 4 and, uh, and the sin offering, uh, this is for, and we'll, we'll discuss it here in a little bit, uh, this is for unintentional sin. So we'll get into that, those things that might have popped into the mind later. I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, but that's what we're, we're covering here. So the first three were, uh, first, uh, uh, first three were uh, free will offerings. These last two are, are uh, mandatory. And we'll see that innocent blood would be shed for the sin committed. So uh, the sin offering uh, is required. So no matter who the sinner was, and it's a really neat chapter to read through because many different people are described here and uh, we'll dive into you know things that we can learn uh, from these things so but one thing we are going to see is the higher the position the person held the more that was required to be offered so uh, that's an interesting study in and of itself as we go through here so verse one says now the lord spoke to moses saying speak to the children of israel saying if a person sins unintentionally against any of my commandments uh, of the commandments of the lord in anything which ought not to be done and does any of them <clears throat> we'll stop there at the end of verse two so this is addressing unintentional sin so that might be upon reflection or somebody brings it to their attention uh, so the, the unintentional sin uh, that, that might, now this would be different than intentional sin there's a uh, there, there, when you consider uh, the penalty for uh, for intentional sin like murder would be death 
Adultery would be death. If somebody stole, they must restore and then add more on to what was taken for the intentional sin. But this is specifically, and we'll get into that as we go through the scriptures, uh, but specifically where we're studying tonight, this is unintentional sin. Uh, so if somebody brings it to our attention, maybe there's reflection. And I look back at my life. You ever been there? I know we have. I don't even need to say that. We can look back and go, you know what? I didn't even know. That, that when I, what I was doing was actually sinning before the Lord. When I was thinking this, when I said this to the Lord in prayer, or I did this, I didn't even realize what I was doing. You know, that's, it's still sin. We just need to confess it to the Lord and, and, and offer it up. And to pray. And, and just ask God for forgiveness for it. That's where we're at because of uh, the, the shed blood of Christ. We don't have to go through this process. Somebody has sinned against God's commands unintentionally. Uh, this is the process uh, that's going to be described here. So if they do anything uh, that should not have been, ought not have been done, uh, and does any of them, the end of verse 2, rolling into verse 3. Uh, verse 3 says, if the anointed priest sins, uh, bringing guilt on the people, then let him offer to the Lord for his sin, uh, which he has sinned, a young bull, without blemish as a sin offering. So we're going to stop there and look at uh, this specific uh, situation here. Uh, I will say, before we get started, pray for the people in ministry. Uh, I have many people walk up to me and tell me, I pray for you every day. And when I say thank you to them or to you guys, I wholeheartedly mean that. Because it's I, I'm a sinner just like you. And I, I am uh, held to a higher standard, right? James 3 tells us that uh, you know, there aren't many that should consider uh, moving into, and I, I have it written here, uh, my brother, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment, James 3 verse 1, rather than me stammering through it. I'll just read it to you, right? I have a stricter judgment. You know, I need God's wisdom. I need God's grace. I need his mercy. I need his direction, just like you guys do. But in, in, in my specific uh, job, my, my ministry in life is to, is to make sure this, this church is, is pleasing the Lord. That's our number one goal, is to be a pleasing church, a church that pleases God, brings him glory. Right? You can read through in Revelation the churches and everything. I want to be one of the good ones. I want, to, I want this church to be one uh, that is, is pleasing to the Lord. I don't want to have to look and go, oh, but I have this against you. I don't want that being said for this church. So I'm just saying thank you for your, for your prayers. And pray the Lord just keeps me. You guys can get whiny, right? Any of us can. I can get whiny. Go to the Lord and why me? Right? You know what? This and everything. You know, and that's when I need the smack up side the head, gentle, please. Right? And the Lord says, hey, I got it. Just just move forward. Trust me. Well, I mean, we're singing all these songs about waiting on the Lord, trusting in Him and everything. Sometimes it's easier to sing or say than to do. But we still have I can sin and not trust in the Lord. So I covet your prayers. If there's one thing we're allowed to covet, prayer, right? I covet your prayers. I, I, I love the fact that, that I hear that. So enough about me. But I'm just saying, pray for those in ministry. Because what's being said here, this is an anointed priest. Somebody might say, well, this person must be holy. This person must have it all together. They've got to be perfect. 
You know, understand this isn't speaking of the high priest. This is talking about a priest that's been anointed for priesthood. But anybody can sin. We're human. And, and, and you look at something like this, you know, the anointed, uh, the anointed priest, and, and there are some, and you've probably had the conversations with people, oh, I don't go to church, there's a bunch of hypocrites there. Oh, yeah, you, you look at all the TV preachers, look what they're doing and everything. Those are excuses. If you haven't picked up on it, those are excuses. Somebody's trying to deflect. Like, hey, hey, this is all my excuse. Now I got this excuse. And I got this excuse. And you just say, stop. <laughs> it's not what it's about. Right? We can, we can be able to share with them. That anointed priest, right? You might just sit there and look at that and go, that's somebody that should always have it together. Always have it together. You know, they might have been riding their camel and get cut off by somebody else riding their camel, right? And and and, and thought about that thought or, or mumbled something in their breath about that person. That unintentional sin, whatever it was, they could do it too. Now, don't put our trust in the ministry or uh, you know, put anybody on a pedestal. You know, that, um, you know should, should those that are in ministry be a godly example? Absolutely. Paul addressed that, right? 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1. Imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. Right? You should see godly character in me. But if you're looking for perfection in me, I hate to break it to you. I hate to break it to myself. I don't think I'm perfect. I know I'm not. But I usually don't need much of a reminder, right? But don't ever look at me as uh, I've had some weird things said about me as as a pastor. Oh, oh, oh! You're a holy man here, you know? Or oh, you're okay. Relax, right? I'm a sinner saved by grace, and God had put me in this ministry. Yes, I want to seek the Lord. I want to live a holy life. I have all those things, right? I've been made holy. By Jesus Christ, yes. So all of those things, nothing is, is good of me, right? But if somebody gets into these, and I'm just using me because we're talking about a priest, someone that would, uh, that would be in charge, that would uh, uh, have a ministry here. But just understand, held to a higher standard, as James 3 told us. If our faith is based on anyone else's conduct, we're going to be let down. Our faith should be in Christ alone. Consider I'm not the author and finisher of anybody's faith. Hebrews 12. <laughs> Jesus Christ is. He's the author and finisher of faith, of your faith. Uh, you know, each of us here, we're in here. He is the author of it. Not, if, if we're trying to make somebody else the author of our faith, it, essentially, when they fail, the finisher of our faith, how far is that going to go? And that's idolatry instantly, right? Gets to a bad point, fact. Right? Christ is the author and finisher of our faith. Just know that we're all called. Whenever I've, I've had that type of discussion with somebody where, where they're, they're arguing that there's hypocrisy within the church, yes, there is. There's hypocrisy everywhere you go. Is it a good thing? No. Should it continue in the church? Absolutely not. But it's a cop-out. Right? And what we can do is lovingly tell them, Jesus didn't say that. Jesus didn't say, oh, you know, if somebody's, you know, misrepresented, uh, you know, God to you, then, then free path, you're, you're good to go. Just live the life you want to live because, yeah, I get it, right? No, we're all called to a point where, you know, and I shared this this, this, uh, this afternoon uh, in the jail ministry study, you know, that, that God gave the right to be called children of God to those who believed in Christ. 
Think about that. If somebody has an own personal relationship with God, you could just say, look, I'm sorry if you've been hurt by other people or whatever, but you're called to your own relationship with the Lord. Your own. We can't. We have to own our own sin. We have to own our own relationship with the Lord. We can't hide behind other people or point to other people and everything. So I know this is kind of a soapbox. I don't mean it to be, but I do mean it to be. So, uh you know, if uh, you know, just consider. Uh, you know, if 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 we uh, if we're in that spot, don't be in that spot. But if you come across somebody, we're all called to have our own individual relationship with the Lord. So, if an anointed priest has an unintentional sin, we read up to uh, up through verse three, verse four. He shall bring uh, the bolt to the door of the tabernacle of meeting before the Lord, lay his hand on the bull's head, and kill the bull before the Lord. And then the anointed priest shall take some of of the uh, bull's blood and bring it to the tabernacle of meeting. So uh, they're required, this uh, this anointed priest, when they sin, they're required to bring a bull, the young bull, right? Put his hand on the head, again, uh, symbolic of transferring the guilt uh, of the worshiper uh, onto the innocent bull uh, as it's dying for their sins. So it's a symbolic of the, the transferring of sins. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, when we're considering Christ dying for us, it says, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Right? That picture, as we're looking at this, consider Jesus Christ was the one that became sin for us, that, that uh, died in our place. So that he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. When that priest is putting, laying, leaning, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the weight of the sin, the you know, that 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 burden of sin being pushed down on that thing's head as it's as it's being, you know, throats being cut and it's being bled out. I, I don't mean to be grotesque, but essentially that's what's happening. Okay, and and there to kill that that innocent thing, right? And so he had to kill the bull. The one that did did wrong had to kill the bull. He had to feel the innocent sacrifice fighting for its life, crying, uh, crying out for its life. You know, that should leave a strong reminder uh, to the offender that something innocent died for me. You know, it should uh, deter them from further sin and transgression, right? Should get to the point where I, I may not have done that that uh, willingly, but I know it now and I need to be aware of this because I don't want to do this again. Right? It should come to that point where I don't want to go through that again, right? You're going to get all messy. You're already messy spiritually, right? Now you're physically getting blood all over you and you got to fight this thing and, and all of those things that, that, that would transpire. It was all a picture of Jesus Christ. All spelled out here, Second Corinthians 5, right? 21 says, For he made him who knew no sin to be uh, sin for us. Him who knew no sin. Jesus Christ, a picture of Jesus Christ. This bull didn't sin, but the bull was dying in place of the sinner. Verse 6. The priest shall dip his finger in the blood and sprinkle some of the blood seven times before the Lord in front of the veil of the sanctuary. So their finger in the blood, they physically had to touch that blood on their own finger, sprinkle it seven times before the Lord. 
You'll see sprinkle it seven times, several times through our study in Leviticus. We'll see it in Leviticus 8, the dedication of the altar. Uh, Leviticus 14, the purification of the leper. Uh, sprinkle seven times is also used in the Day of Atonement uh, in Leviticus 16. So this will be a theme you'll see throughout uh, our study in Leviticus. Uh, now, sprinkled blood, blood being sprayed. Uh, Jesus Christ's blood was sprayed. Right. Consider when he's getting hit in the face, when he's when he's uh, being whipped, the blood spat. Right. Verse seven. And the priest shall put some of the blood on the horns of the altar of sweet incense before the Lord, which is in the tabernacle of meeting. And he shall pour the remaining blood of the bowl at the base of the altar of the burnt offering, which is at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. So the blood would be uh, sprinkled, and then some of the blood would be put on the horns of the altar of the sweet incense. So the sweet incense is rising, uh, and then they take the, the blood, and that would be put there too. Uh, it's all just consider these things are speaking of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Verse 8, he shall... Uh, take from it all the fat of the bowl as a sin offering, the fat that covers the entrails, and the fat which is on the entrails, the two kidneys, and the fat that is on them by the flanks, and the fatty lobe attached to the liver above the kidneys, he shall remove. It was as it was taken from the bowl of the sacrifice of the peace offering. So the same type of process. And the priest shall burn them on the altar of burnt offering. So the fat would be removed from all those places described, burnt. Uh, uh, on the altar burnt offering. So this is where it's different here in verse 11 where things get different uh, from the peace offering. Verse 11 says, But the bull's hide and all its flesh with its head and its legs, its entrails, and also uh, the uh, whole bull he shall carry outside the camp to a clean place where the ashes are poured out and burn it on, on wood with fire. Where the ashes are poured out, it shall be burned. So the hide, all its the flesh, the head, the legs, the entrails, uh, the heart, which means the heart, lungs, uh, liver, kidneys. The offal was waste, right? Uh, the innards uh, on the altar of the, of the burnt uh, offering, right? The innermost parts are being offered. So uh, what we see here is a, a description of this whole thing being offered to the Lord. So this would not be where they're sitting uh, and, and taking food. They would take all of this and they would offer it up. Everything else would be carried outside the camp uh, to a clean place. Consider Jesus was taken outside, right? Outside the, the city gates where he was um, where he was crucified. Everything else is outside the camp. So where the ashes were poured out uh, and burn it on wood with fire. So if a anointed priest uh, unintentionally sinned, this and it affected everybody else. This is how this process was was to take place. They were supposed to go through that specific process. We'll see a very similar process as we go through uh, the rest of, of this chapter here. Uh, but uh, it, it's a little bit different when it comes to different people. So now we're looking at the whole congregation, uh, verses 13 uh, through uh, 21. So it says, now if the whole all congregation of Israel sins unintentionally, and the thing is hidden from the eyes of the assembly, and they have done something against any of the commandments of the Lord in anything which should not be done, and are guilty. 
When the sin which they have committed becomes known, then the assembly shall offer a young bull for the sin and bring it before uh, the tabernacle meeting. So young bull required of the anointed priests if they unintentionally sin a young bull so consider the, those two things would offer would require the same level of sacrifice one priest or the whole congregation sinning uh, so that tells you uh, the responsibility that rested on the priest right they're there to be representing God to people so if they sin it is at great cost uh, for them uh, to to sacrifice what is required so if the whole congregation sins unintentionally, it was hidden at first and then somehow uh, figured out or uh, revealed that, that they were guilty, then they would offer a young bull uh, for the same process uh, for the body of the bull. They would, they, uh, and we'll go through that here in just a moment. A shift here, though. So the priest would would offer would put their hand on the head uh, for for the priest's sins. But look at verse fifteen, what it says: and the elders of the congregation shall lay their hands on the head of the bull before the Lord. Then the bull shall be killed before the Lord. The elders, those who are responsible, uh, and uh, for those that are under their authority, the elders, those that are in leadership. You know, they're, they're, they're accountable for the conduct of everybody else. They're held accountable, right? You ever been in a situation where team fails, coach is, is punished, right? Because the coach didn't have proper control of the team. Just consider, you know, if you want to look at it that way. I did a lot of sports when I was, uh, you know, in, in school and, and uh, a little bit after, but um, uh, you know, when when there was a you know big failure, even within those things, uh, then then the, the, you know it could even be the coach uh, that's that's responsible for it, or the coaching staff, right? If you want to look at it in sports or, or whatever it may be. But here, what's being described is that the elders of these communities are responsible to make sure that those under them are following the commands of God, right? So we could consider a home. You know, you know, who's responsible to make sure that so I'm responsible for my own home. My kids should, their, their conduct should be godly conduct. And when it's not, okay, I have to reflect and go, did I fail somewhere? Hey, where, where did I fail? Where did I, you know, sometimes there's a prodigal within the house and so they've been raised and they're correctly and brought up in the ways of the Lord and somebody just walks away. You know, sometimes that's the case. But if there's a failure there, right, and I look and go, I didn't even recognize. How did I miss that? I'm the one that has to go to the Lord. God, I failed you. And my kids ended up failing you because I failed you. I'm the one that has to go to the Lord and say, I'm sorry. Right? Because I'm the head of my household. I have to go in. I'm the one responsible for that. The good thing about it is God is gracious. God is so good. We've made mistakes in our lives. We can go to the Lord and say, I can't change what I did before. Would you please forgive me? By your grace and mercy, cover my sin, remove my sin, and I'm sorry for it. But also in your grace, would you please, please set in order what I messed up? We can ask the Lord to do those things. Right? That was another thing I was so excited to share with them today. That Jesus Christ, if there's one thing they, they left with today, Jesus Christ is God and that he's, he's, he is the representation of grace and truth. He's filled with grace and truth. 
John 1.14, right? Full of it. Guys, I'm like, he's full of it. That, that Jesus was, that's what his ministry was about, grace and truth. Sharing these things. I was able to share with him. John 8, you know, the, 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 the adulterous brought in front of him. I said, guys, if you want to get an, an, a picture of understanding mercy and grace, look at this. You know, we didn't turn to it, but I just described it to him. Grace, right? So if we've sinned, if, 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 if there is sin within a family and, and the parents reflecting going, probably because I never addressed that. Then we go to the we're the ones responsible. These are you know, the whole congregation sins. My my kids are in sin. I need to go. Uh, did I tell them? Did I demonstrate to them? Uh, you know that did they see that in my conduct, or did I not prepare them for this or whatever? And then I, so I have to reflect on myself. But the elders would have to put their hands on the head of this thing and kill it. The elders, those that uh, were supposed to be uh, leading. Verse 16, the anointed priest shall bring some of the bull's blood to the tabernacle of meeting. Then the priest shall dip his finger in the blood and sprinkle it seven times. There it is again before the Lord in front of the veil. I shall put some of the blood on the horns of the altar, which is before the Lord, which is in the tabernacle of meeting. And he shall pour the remaining blood at the base of the altar of burnt offering, which is at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. Verse 19, he shall take all of the fat from it and burn it on the altar. He shall do with the bull as he did with the bull as a sin offering. Thus he shall do with it. So the priests uh, priest shall uh, make atonement for them and it shall be forgiven them. Then he shall carry the bull outside the camp and burn it as he burnt the, burned the first bull. It is a sin offering to uh, uh, for the assembly. So not just uh, uh, the appointed priest that had sinned uh, would uh, as we looked at before, uh, but it's it's not just uh, the whole process, not just like that. So um, it wasn't just the, the when the anointed priest sinned and the bull was uh, taken care of that way. It didn't just apply there; it also applies here. So they would do the same, with the exception uh, that the leaders needed to be the ones that were involved, right? They they dispose of uh, and and offer up uh, the the offering the bull. Um, uh, in the same way. So uh, the, the anointed priest and the whole congregation, if there was unintentional sin on both their ends, the anointed priest, one person, would also have to offer up the same as uh, if the whole congregation did a young bull. So uh, consider uh, how, uh, how, um, how uh, great a responsibility the, young pri the, the, the priest, the anointed priest have. Right, that they would be equal in what is required. So now if it's a ruler, so if it's a ruler within the people, when a ruler has sinned and done something unintentionally against any of the commandments of the Lord, uh, his God, in anything uh, which uh, should not be done and is guilty, or if his sin, which he has committed, comes to his knowledge, uh, he shall bring as an offering a kid of the goats, a male without blemish. So uh, we see uh, the bull being required of the anointed priest and the whole congregation, and then specific to a ruler, if a ruler had sinned unintentionally uh, and is guilty, or if his sin was committed and comes to his knowledge, then he would have to offer a kid of the goats. So uh, a little bit less of uh, than what would have been required of the anointed priest or of the whole congregation. 
Uh, consider uh, when you think of a ruler, who comes to mind for me would be David. Uh, you know, he didn't even want secret faults within himself, right? Because this is talking about unintentional sin, and it says in 23, or of his sin which he has committed uh, comes to his knowledge. When I think of, you know what, I did sin right there. You know, consider what, what David said, that he didn't even want uh, hidden faults. Psalm 19, verse 12 says, Who can understand his errors? Cleanse me from secret faults. Cleanse me. I, I don't want even, even the smallest of things. You know, consider uh, Psalm 51, where David said, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. A clean heart. I don't want any of this stuff. Whatever, whatever you know, may have happened in there, Lord. Create. Psalm fifty one's a heavy one, but uh, essentially think of uh, you know how important uh, the cleansing was uh, in in David's heart. So the priest and the whole congregation was a bull, uh, and uh, for the ruler it would be a kid of the goats. Uh, verse twenty four. So it went from uh, the anointed priest having to, to sacrifice the bull, and then the elders having to sacrifice the bull if there was unintentional sin for the whole congregation. In this one it says, and he, uh, the ruler, shall lay his uh, hand on the head of the goat and kill it in the place where uh, he, uh, they kill the burnt offering before the Lord. It is a sin offering. So the ruler that sinned would kill the goat. Again, he would feel the struggle, hear the cries, and it, uh, and it should, uh, and, and they should understand the effect of uh, their sin on others, especially as a ruler. Uh, so, so they were commanded as the ruler to do this of themselves, the kid of the goats. Uh, they would have to do that. So uh, it, it may be less of a, of a requirement, uh, you know, of a, of a financial requirement when you think of a bull versus a goat, but essentially uh, they were still responsible to, to offer something, and, uh, and, and it would be a reminder when you've got to feel that thing struggle and hear it bleeding and all those things and, and, and then watch it bleed out, uh, all of those things, it should be, you know, it's a violent reminder of, of uh, you know, how serious our sin is. Verse 25, the priest shall take some of the blood of the, of the sin offering with his finger, put it on the horns of the altar, a burnt offering, and pour its blood on the base of the altar, a burnt offering. He shall burn all its fat on the altar, like the fat of the sacrifice of the peace offering. So the same type of thing we saw from the peace offering in chapter 3. So the priest shall make the atonement for him concerning his sin. It shall be forgiven him. So these things would die in the place of the sinner, and uh, they would uh, the the priest would uh, make atonement for. They would carry out the process of making atonement uh, for them after they had uh, slaughtered the animal. Now, uh, moving on in, in twenty seven through the rest of the chapter, in regards. Uh, common people. So, verse twenty-seven. It says, "If anyone of the common, uh, if anyone of the common people sins unintentionally by doing something against any of the commandments of the Lord, uh, this is one specific person, right? And anything which ought not to be done and is guilty, or if his sin which he has committed comes to his knowledge, then he shall bring uh, as his offering a kid of the goats, a female." without blemish for his sin which he has committed and he shall lay his hand on the head of the offering and uh, kill the sin offering at the place of the burnt offering then the priest shall take some of the blood uh, of its blood with his finger 
put it on the horns of the altar burnt offering and pour all the remaining blood at the base of the altar. So common people unintentionally sing, sinning, uh, uh, doing something that, uh, that ought not to be done. Uh, they're still guilty when it comes to, I didn't know this was sin, but there's still guilt that remains uh, even if they did it uh, unknowingly, which is being said here. Like I said, if we can come to that point, guys, it's not the end of the world. We go to the Lord and we ask forgiveness in Jesus' name and it's taken care of. Remember, all of these things, right? It's going from a priest, a, re a, a religious figure, right? It's going to a whole congregation. It's going to a ruler. And uh, now it's going to the common people. If there's just, so we can see where we fit into any of those things, right? If they're guilty, it comes to their knowledge. It might be self-reflection. Somebody else reveals it to them, whatever it is, still guilty. They have to atone for it. And it would be a, a, a kid of the goats, female without blemish. So not a bull. The bull was for the priest and uh, the whole congregation. Uh, and uh, so this would be similar to uh, what the ruler uh, had to uh, had to give. He shall remove, for 31, he shall remove all its fat as uh, fat is removed from the sacrifice of the peace offering. So you could go through and read all those things if you heart desire. Uh, if, and the priest shall burn it on the altar for a sweet aroma to the Lord. So, so the priest shall make atonement for him and it shall be forgiven. So the fat removed and burned as a sweet aroma uh, to the Lord as it would be with the, uh, the peace offering. And it shall be forgiven him. The, the, the innocent has died. So that the guilty can be forgiven, right? Remember, these are, are, are these sacrifices in, in different ways point to uh, either the life, ministry, sacrifice of, of Jesus Christ. Verse 32, if he brings a lamb as a sin offering, he shall bring the lamb without blemish, and he shall lay his hand on the head of the sin offering and kill it as a sin offering at the place where uh, they kill the burnt offering. The priest shall take some of the blood of the sin offering with his finger, put it on the horns of the burnt offering, and pour all the remaining blood at the base of the altar. He shall remember, uh, sorry, he shall remove all its fat as the fat of, of the lamb is uh, removed from the sacrifice of the peace offering. Same thing. Uh, then the priest shall burn it on the altar according to uh, the offerings made by fire to the Lord. So the priest shall make atonement for his sin that he has committed. It shall be forgiven him. So uh, the, the lamb, female without blemish, uh, remove the fat. And as a sweet aroma, the priest makes atonement for his sin uh, through the, 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 sin, the process that's, that was just described Right, consider Christ is our high priest and the sacrifice, right? Uh, that he was, he was king, high priest, and the lamb, right? That, that he, he, he would take all, all these, uh, these things on. Uh, we, if you uh, familiar, Revelation 5 or 6 describes a lamb as though it has been slain, the risen Christ uh, in heaven. Right, uh, that that John saw and that he wrote about in Revelation chapter five. So Christ Himself was the Lamb that was slain, the the one that was offered. But He's also the priest that makes intercession for us. He's also the King that reigns on high. It's all about Jesus, right? So so when when we look through these things and we see these offerings, just understanding, uh, you know, what they mean, what they the greater sacrifice that they speak of. If we want to take something away from this, know and carefully follow the commands of God.
not to count them as suggestions and not to casually approach them, but they're commandments. And, uh, you know, as we saw here, sin needed to be atoned for. Uh, and uh, what did it take for us to be forgiven? You know, thankfully, we don't have to do these things. But one died in our place, and we need to remember him and be grateful to him and thank him uh, for what he has done, that he fulfilled all of these requirements. You know, Jesus was made sin for us on the cross. We started chapter 4 by discussing that. I'll end with this. First Peter chapter 2, verse 24 says, speaking of Jesus, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree. That we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. If he bore our sins on his own body on the tree. Bore our sins. Right? We just studied these sacrifices where they would bear the sin of the sacrificer, of, of the, the guilty party. Uh, they, would, uh, they would bear the sins for them. We know that Christ bore our sins for us. Now he's so good to us. So good. We're not, we're not worthy of this mercy, of this grace, of this type of love. We're not. But God still loves us anyways. You know, we want to be amazed at something. Just think, God still loves me? <laughs> God still loves me? Does he know? Does he know about this? Does he know? Yes. Yeah, we come to him flat on our face and say, I'm sorry. Offer the sacrifice of praise. Live out our lives as living sacrifices to him. Right? understanding that he fulfilled it all. There's nothing we have to do other than believe in him, trust in him, and, and follow him. Abide in Christ, right? And we abide in him and, and uh, he in us. You know, wonderful blessings in the Lord. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful of these reminders. Lord, of, of the peace offering, that we have peace, that we can celebrate peace, that we have through Jesus Christ, that we can praise you for that. That we can praise you for the fact that the only begotten Son came to this earth to live a perfect life and to die in our place. Sin offering. Came to die for us. Bear our guilt. Bear our sin. Bear our shame. To make atonement for us. Because it's required. Lord, we thank you for your goodness that called us to repentance and pointed us the way to salvation. Lord, we pray for every one of our loved ones, neighbors, friends, co-workers that don't know you. Lord, that our lives would be uh, lived as living sacrifices. God, that the, those around us would experience your grace, your love, your mercy as it's poured into us and flows out of us. Help us to represent you well, understanding the great responsibility we have in bearing your name. We studied here of the anointed priest that, that sinned, or the whole congregation, or a ruler, or just a common person. Lord, we don't want to sin intentionally or unintentionally. We don't want to offend you. Keep us in your ways. Oh, Lord, help us to walk in your ways, to live in a way that is pleasing to you. We praise you, we love you, and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.